Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated in Jesus' name. We're going to start tonight um, with, a, with a short video, praise God. So we'll go ahead and, and have that played, and the Lord bless you tonight. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Many of you, I'm sure, I don't even know. Is there anybody who knows who this lady was? Anybody here? Yeah, she, I don't, do you remember Billy Cole? She was married to Billy Cole's dad um, in later in life. And, but she had a promising, very, very, very promising career in, um, in singing uh, before, uh, even right after she came to the Lord and was very tempted um, to, um, to pursue that. But um, as it would be, she gave that all up, and she sang for the Lord. And I think she did a pretty good job, didn't she? Praise God. I like that. That is, that is quite a deal. Brings back a lot of memories in Jesus' name. Last week, uh, Brother uh, um, Carlos was talking about uh, the, I think it was the, um, was it the Who Belongs? That's what it was, yes. And, um, and at the beginning of his lesson, there's a man named um, William Booth. Does anybody know who William Booth was? He lived in the 1800s. He was the man who started the Salvation Army and had a large family and, and, and just did a tremendous uh, work, evangelistic work, uh, mainly in London, England, those areas, that type of thing, but was quite a man. Um, uh, as, he, as he got older and that type of thing, he became very, very feeble. And the story is told how that... Um, 
they were having a Salvation Army convention, and they were hoping that um, William Booth, the founder, could come, of course, and, and speak. And for months, they were, um, they were anticipating this, and people were excited about the fact that he was going to be there, and he was going to be one of the major speakers. But as it would be, he fell upon ill health. This was in, I think, 1912, um, and, um, and he couldn't make it. And so what they did was the alternative was at least he could do was send a message that could be read at that convention. And so that's what he did. And so they, um, uh, they were anticipating that. They said, well, whatever he's got to say has got to be tremendous and that type of thing. He had a lot of respect. A lot of people had tremendous respect for William Booth. And um, he sent the message, and when they opened up the envelope and they read it, all it had was one word. And that one word was others. That's all he said. And what a, what a tremendous word to say, and especially in light of what his light reflected. You know, his ministry was to others, not to himself. And so, you know, as we look into these lessons tonight, I would hope that God would help us to examine ourselves. Um, I'm not going to sit here and, 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 um, and, and pound it too hard, but I think every one of us today understands that we, felt we, we fight selfishness because that's the, the culture that we live in. That's what's embedded in us, that we should do what we want first, and then whatever we got left over will just kind of crumble up and, and, and distribute amongst people. That's, that's literally the culture that you and I live in. But we understand that that's not what, what God spoke about especially to disciples. You know, do you remember the fact that he said those that would be first, where would they end up? Yeah. And then he said the last would be, yeah. So we see that it's the complete opposite with God. And so tonight we're going to talk about kingdom values, and in particular we're going to talk about um, uh, several groups of scriptures uh, tonight that I feel like are, are extremely important to that cause because we do fight some things. I don't know about uh, apostolic Christians in Vietnam. I, I don't know much about apostolic Christians in, um, uh, you know, in China. I, I don't. I, I hear some things from time to time, and I can only imagine what some of them have to go through. And from what I hear... Um, they're, not, they're not battling a lot of the stuff that we battle in this free country. And I'm not here to put one against the other. I'm just saying, you know, here in America, we battle the selfishness and we battle materialism. These are things that you and I have to become very disciplined in. They're not going to go away. It doesn't make any difference. You know, our world is going to remain on a certain course. I, I don't know if it's going to remain that way until the second coming of the Lord or not. I don't. You know, I have my doubts. I think there are some things that are probably going to happen to this country and it's going to shake us. But nevertheless, for right now, this is where our world is at. And just like you, I battle it, you know, and we might as well not make any, any bones about it. You know, these are the things that you and I have to overcome. But that's why I believe that the scripture is so relevant today, is that no matter what culture we're dealing with, no matter what situations we're dealing with in life, I believe the Word of God is applicable. Come on, can you say amen? It really is. We can read this book and we can apply the principles that God has for us, you know, to our culture. And we can overcome the things that, that come against us. And I believe that the Lord is going to be pleased at that in Jesus' name. Look at the, the book of um, 1 Corinthians. 
and I and I and I know I, I want to be careful about the interpretation of this. It was originally uh, um, uh, uh, in uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, and it was based upon you know uh, witnesses at kind of a trial and that type of thing. And so I understand the origin of this, what he's saying here. But I believe it can be applied to the word. There are several things. Many of you are going through the Bible this year for in its entirety, and I commend you. That is one of the, one of the greatest things that you can fill your time with is to understand and, and, to, and to go through the word of God. And as you go through it more and more, you're going to begin to pick up some patterns. That's what you will do. And I don't, I don't think any of us will ever have enough time on this life to become an expert at the Word. Uh, it's just my feeling. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive for that, but I just don't feel like we have the time. But in my way of thinking and in my way of applying the Word, the thing that I want to do is I want to become more familiar with it. I want situations, or I, I'm, as situations come into my life, I want to be able to quickly get that Word and be able to apply it. We talked Sunday morning real briefly about three areas that God will put in our life to make us more like Christ. One of those areas, of course, is the truth. The truth shall set us free. Jesus told us that to counter evil is not to do good, but to do the truth. That's what he told the church. And so the truth, and then we talked about people, how God will put ministry in our lives, he'll put people in our lives that will challenge us sometimes, but nevertheless, it's what God does to help us to become more like him, because that's the major goal here, folks. I want to become more like Jesus. Can somebody say amen? amen. And then the last one we talked about was circumstances, and this is something that every one of us has every day. Today you had circumstances. Tomorrow you will have circumstances. And sometimes what we're asking is we're asking for a smooth trail. We're asking for God to give us an easy way, that type of thing. And I'm not here to debate one way or the other. I'm just saying whatever those circumstances are, God will give you what you need to overcome those things. And so this is what you can rest assured, that God will do that. And I believe that we find these things in the kingdom values. If we begin to value the things of God, wasn't it Jesus that said to seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And he, he made that in reference to the fact that these things would, would be given to you. You're going to have your needs. God isn't going to starve you. He isn't going to um, uh, not clothe you and all of that type of thing. But all we need to do is understand that is if, we, if we do the will of God, we can expect those things to happen. But here's the pattern I want to show you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul, of course, writing to the Corinthian church about a number of challenges that they had in that day, which are still challenges today. But he says there, he says, this is the third time that I am coming to you. He says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Do you see that? Now, I understand the original context of that in the book of Deuteronomy had to do with the law, had to do with, um, you know, uh, bringing people to law and that type of thing. But I believe in this, con in, in this context, I believe that we can trace the patterns of the Lord and we can find that there's many things in Scripture that God doesn't just mention once. He mentions many times. And that's what you will pick up by your going through the Bible over and over and over again, you'll begin to see that God's really trying to emphasize that. 
that God's really trying to, over, you know, emphasize this or that. Let me give you an example. You know, in the Bible, I think there's nine times that the scripture talks about feelings. And I'm not against feelings. I've got some just like you do. But there's like nine times that the, that the Bible speaks about feelings. Well, including the New Testament, there's over 246 times that God mentions faith. Now, what do you think God is trying to emphasize? I don't think that he, he does, it isn't that God doesn't care about your feelings, but I think sometimes we're living in a society that really, really, really overemphasizes something that God says, that's not what's supposed to happen. I want you to emphasize faith in your life because that's what I like. That's what pleases me. That's what draws you closer to me. And so this is what you will find a lot of times in the Bible. You will find that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, God will begin to say things. Now, the reason I mention that today is because the scripture that we're going to examine here is in the 10th chapter of the book of, of, of Mark. And it talks about the rich young ruler. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but that same story is told in the 19th chapter of the book of Matthew. That same story is also told in the 18th chapter of the book of Luke. So in my opinion, God is trying to emphasize something here. And so this is what we need to start picking up in, scripture, in the scripture as we go through it. Not just reading it so that we'll have tremendous knowledge and things like that, but let's read it and say, God, I believe that you can apply some things to my life. There's no doubt that every one of us sitting in this place tonight, there's something God wants to emphasize to you. Yeah, I, I could sum it up with this. He wants you not only to get saved, but he wants you to stay saved. Can you say Amen. And so a lot of times the scripture will emphasize how to do that in your life. And the scripture just uh, really uh, uh, it, it, it admonishes us that we should give heed to the things which we have heard. Lest at any time we should let them slip. And so that's why a lot of times you're going to see that the Bible will repeat itself. That God will say things over and over and over and over again. And like this Sister Helen Cole you know, who is not with us anymore, she's passed away, she had an opportunity to go into the world and probably make a lot of money, probably become very prestigious, become very, very famous, that type of thing. But she chose not to do that. And I, I'll guarantee you right now, and I believe she's, she's probably in, in paradise right now, and she is not regretting one second of that. Now, you think about that, folks. This is really what's at stake in our lives. That's why God wants to overly emphasize the, the kingdom values in your life, the value of serving God. It might not pay you right now, but boy, come down the road, praise God, when we're in New, New Jerusalem or when we're in the millennium period, praise God, there's going to be things that God is going to bring into our lives that are going to be fantastic. Can you just lift up your hands right now and ask the Lord to give you understanding with that? Come on, I believe the Lord wants to do that in the name of Jesus. He wants to give you tremendous understanding of the value of the kingdom of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, God, help me to get that across tonight, Lord God, the value of your kingdom. I pray tonight, Lord God, that nobody, 
Nobody here will go out of this place without that kind of an understanding in the name of Jesus that whatever we do for the Lord, praise God, is going to last in Jesus' name. Praise God in Jesus' name. So instead of taking all three of those examples, let me go to the Gospel of, of Mark um, and, and let's just kind of look through that scripture and let's see what we're talking about here and what the lesson is trying to teach us in the name of Jesus because the rich young ruler is a real person. And I think that many of us in this room, we could find ourselves in the same place. You know, somebody said that at one time, you know, uh, uh, America only had 5% of the population but controlled about 60% of the wealth. I don't know what that statistic is now, but nevertheless, um, you know, I do know that we as Americans, we have a lot, of, a lot of wealth that's put at our hands. And I'm not here to condemn that, you know, and the Bible doesn't. You know, what you're going to find is two words when it comes to wealth. Two words, and I hope that you will take heed to this. The first word is trust. That you and I are not to trust in the wealth of this world. That, in my opinion, I think I spoke about it a few months back on a Sunday morning, that's the curse. That's the curse that a lot of people have, is they're trusting in something that cannot be trustworthy. That it's going to be like the stock market. It's going to go up and down, and it's going to be there, and sometimes it's not. And again, I'm, that's not saying that you should give all of it away or that type of thing, but that's the attitude that God wants us to have towards it. The, the second word is the word love. And that's, you know, what the Bible teaches us. It's not money or, or wealth that's evil. If you study the sixth chapter of the book of 1 Timothy, the Bible says it's the love of money that creates evil. That's what creates us to become suspicious and jealous and envious and all of that kind of business. And I hope you're like me tonight. I don't want nothing to do with that. That's a, that's a time waster, praise God. And so let the Lord speak to you as he spoke to this young man in Jesus' name. The Bible says in chapter number 10 of Mark is where we'll pick this up. The scripture says, let me just say this first. Every one of those renditions kind of emphasizes a different thing. For instance, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 26, this is the same story that we're going to talk about here in, in Mark 10. It emphasizes the fact that he, he doesn't say this in any of the other ones, but he tells the, the rich young ruler, he said, if thou would be perfect. That's what he says there. You know, if you want to be complete, then he told him to do a certain thing. And then in, in Luke chapter number 18, it emphasizes the fact that this young man wasn't only rich, but he was a ruler. He had authority. And so we find out that, that, you know, that this man had, had, some, had some things going in his life where he could have been a tremendous influence. And that's where you're at right now. You can be a tremendous influence to people in your life. Praise God. Think about that. We have an opportunity to let the Lord do that for us in Jesus' name. And so here's Jesus. He's, he's dealing with this guy. And the Bible says in verse number 17, it says, And when he had gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeling to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, I don't know about you, but that's a good question. I think that's an absolutely good question. And it also appears to me like this guy had some respect. 
he knelt before the Lord. And so I'm not, I'm not saying that his upbringing was a total disaster, like a lot of people that we know, you know. But again, we, we find that, you know, he's asking the right question. Now, the big thing is, and I don't know about you, but when we ask the right question, are we looking for the right answer? Or do we already have one formulated in our mind that probably could work? That's, that's something we should ask ourselves, you know. And so with the help of the Lord, I think we can, we, can, um, we can overcome that. Well, the scripture says in verse number 18, and Jesus said unto him in verse number 18, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. And so he's emphasizing the fact that let's, let's keep it where it needs to be. Then he brings up the fact of the commandments, which I think the commandments are a good thing. The scripture says, I think in Psalm 19, that the commandments are, are there to help us to become converted. And so this is what God wants to do is convert us. And so he's saying, okay, let's talk about the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, uh, do not bear false witness, defraud not, uh, honor thy father and thy mother. And the scripture says in verse number 20 that he answered and said unto him, he said, Master, all these have I observed or kept from my youth. And so we know this is a guy that, that, that had a good Christian background, okay? Now I want you to see something in verse number 20 because it doesn't say this in any of the other versions. Praise God. I taught a message one time about when love speaks. When love speaks. And I'm not talking about uh, the love of our world. I'm not talking about even some of the love that we have one towards another. I'm talking about when the God's love speaks. I'm reminded of a, of a situation in the Old Testament where Solomon just, you know, after he got his anointing, you know, and he asked for it. He said, God, I'm, I'm the ruler here and I got to learn how to judge these people. And so the Lord anointed him with that kind of judgment. Well, it wasn't long after that that a situation came to him. Remember that? Where there were two ladies. Unfortunately, they both, or not unfortunately, but they both had small children. And one of the ladies laid on the baby the night before and it, and it was dead. And what she ended up doing was switching the baby out. And of course, here they come. They come before Solomon and Solomon's the judge. Whatever he says is going to go. And so they're both making their case. And of course, this is before DNA testing. This is before fingerprinting and all of that kind of business. So basically, they had to kind of go by what they were saying. It's your word against mine, I guess, okay? But here's what I want you to understand, you know. By the time that story was uh, over, and I believe this was the wisdom of Solomon, is he allowed that to come to the forefront when love speaks. And what am I talking about? The real mother. The one that really had love for that child said, go ahead and give it to her. Come on, look at somebody and say others. If you really want the love of God to speak in your life, we're going to have to learn how to, how, to, how to prefer others. And this is what that lady did. I thought it was powerful. It's still, every time I go through that story, I think about that, man, how powerful love is. And how love will be willing. And that lady was willing to give her child up. Now that was not a small thing. And so you think about that. When love speaks, praise God. Are we ready for the answer that it's going to give? I'm thinking of another situation that I just went through today in the book of Acts. With a guy named Stephen. You know, here he is. And God commissioned him. His last 
um, his last commission was to preach that gospel. And boy, he did, you talk about a Bible study. That seventh chapter of the book of, um, of, uh, of Acts is a tremendous Bible study. I mean, he goes through the whole thing. And the scripture says he gets towards the end. People are getting upset. Why? Because they didn't get the answer they wanted. In fact, these people got so upset they started picking up rocks. And they started throwing them at them. Wow. You ever, I, I, today, I, I couldn't, it was hard for me to wrap my head around that. How would I do with that? How would I do with that if people started throwing rocks at me and hitting me and, and, and the pain and all of that kind of business, you know? But the Bible says that he didn't go out of this world screaming. He went out of this world asking the Lord not even to charge whatever they were doing to him, to them. Now, I'm talking about when love speaks. Sometimes we wonder, my goodness, that's not quite the answer I want to hear. But, boy, I'll tell you something. If we, if we can train ourselves and we can begin to allow that the, the kingdom of God becomes more valuable to us, we're going to begin to see the value of doing what God wants us to do. And I believe that God will give us an opportunity every week, every week, to speak words of love. Praise God. Wasn't it Jesus on the cross that said, Father, come on, what did he say? Forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. I'm telling you, that's love speaking. And I know that this world sometimes it seems strange to them, but you and I, we understand that's exactly what God wants. Well, here's what I want you to see. That's the reason I kind of built this up a little bit is because in verse number um, in verse number, uh, uh, um, number 20, that he answered back and he said, he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. And look at what Jesus did in verse number 20. Jesus loved him. Well, you know what our rendition of that is? Sometimes our rendition of that is, oh, you're okay. That's all you need to do. Let's just not say anything more. I don't want to upset you, and I don't want to offend you. Now, come on. I'm talking about when love speaks now. And this is the only place in this story that this tells us about this. Jesus loved him. And we think that Jesus smiled at him and was trying to make him feel good and all that. Look at what Jesus did because he loved him. Jesus was willing to tell him the truth. And this is what I want to emphasize to somebody here tonight. I, I believe that God can help us because of the value of the kingdom of God, that we can learn how to tell people the truth in love. I don't believe we have to get arrogant or we have to get, you know, uh, you know uh, thinking that we're better than anybody else when we speak the truth. And so this is what I want to emphasize, praise God, is that Jesus loved him, but then he said one thing. Come on, look at this. And this is what I want you to help you to understand, praise God. Jesus loved this man's soul. Jesus wanted to see this man saved, not just feeling good about his situation for a little while. And if you're an apostolic long enough, you're going to find yourself in this, in a very similar scenario. You're going to have people that will come to you and say, I think that I'm saved. I think that I'm okay. I think that everything in my life is all right. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior 27 times this month. And you're going to have to learn to have some wisdom, and you're going to have to learn to also have some love 
and learn to speak that word in love. Praise God. But you know there's more things in the Bible that are found than just accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Have you ever considered the word baptism? Have you ever considered the word repentance? Have you ever considered the word being infilled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Now, folks, that's speaking the word in love. Come on, can you lift up your hands right now? Let's ask the Lord to help us. I believe there are some people here that God is in the process of positioning you in a place where God is going to use you to speak words of love. Come on, and we shouldn't be afraid of this. Come on, we understand what it means to be saved. We understand what it means to be ready for the second coming of the Lord. Come on, I believe the Lord can help us, can help us to, to ward off that intimidation in the name of Jesus and to do the things that God wants us to do in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. And that's why, folks, that's why God gives us an opportunity every day to get a lot of these subjects right in our own minds. Let's get the proper priorities in our thinking first before we go out and tell somebody else how to do it. See, that's what the Lord will do. That's what you signed up for. It's called discipleship. That's what Jesus has done for you. He's allowed you to come and be a part of discipleship so that you can get the real important things of Scripture that God emphasizes so that you can get it right in your own mind and so that you will be prepared to be able to tell others exactly what the Lord has done. The Scripture says that we should be ready in 1 Peter. We should be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in us. Praise God. You know, and so this is what God will do. He prepares us by preparing us with his scripture. And so there might be somebody right in this room tonight that God is trying to help you to put these things in the proper order. And I hope that you won't get offended. I hope that you won't, you won't look at this and say this doesn't matter. I hope that you won't become like this rich young ruler and walk away grieved because that's the worst thing that he could have done. But the Bible says that Jesus, because he loved him, he says, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to get rid of that trust in, those, in that wealth, sell it all, and follow me. Now, somebody says that's probably pretty radical, but to somebody who really, 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 really trusted in that stuff, I don't think it was too radical. I think it was exactly what the doctor ordered. And so I've seen that happen from time to time where God will bring that kind of emphasis into people's lives. Unfortunately, in Mark 10 and, and verse 22, it says the Bible says he was sad at that saying. And he went away grieved for he had great possessions. And Jesus, now, now here's why Jesus emphasized this so severely. I want you to look at this. The Bible says in verse 23, Jesus gave the reason why he told the truth. Because he said, he said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. So you understand now why he did what he did. That's love speaking, by the way. That love knows what it's saying. It knows why it's saying what it says. And then it goes on to say, and the disciples were astonished. Can you imagine standing around that day and going, did you just hear what he said? Yeah. 
Well, the Bible says, but Jesus answered again, because this is what God will do. He's not just interested in you getting a little bit of this or me getting a little bit of this. He wants us to get the whole story. And as Jesus was a brilliant teacher, he gave examples that live in, I mean to tell you, you can't forget these examples. The scripture says, Jesus in verse number 24, it says, children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches. There's the crux of the matter. There's very few people that I know, and I'm not being a judge, I'm just telling you, but there's very few people that I know that have riches that do not trust in them. It's a very, very, very rare person that doesn't. And that's why I, I kind of believe like Solomon. Solomon, you know, when he, write, when he wrote the book of Proverbs, he said, he said, Lord, don't give me poverty so that I have to steal to maintain myself. He said, don't give me riches so that I'll forget you and distrust in them. He said, put me somewhere in the middle. And that's been my prayer. That's always been my prayer. God, I, I don't, I, I, you know what it, what it needs to be in Jesus' name. And so the scripture says that he said to trust in riches, to enter into the kingdom of God. And then he gives an illustration like, like he does a lot of times. And he gives this illustration in all three of these renditions, by the way. And he says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, there was a, a teaching going around about the time that I came into the church. And that teaching was, and I thought, I, I thought, well, it sounded good to me at the time. But the teaching was that in the gates of the city, there was a place called the eye of the needle and that a person who got locked out of the city at night and they had a, a beast or they had a camel, they could get through this door and, 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 and you had to just, oh, you, it took a, a tremendous amount of effort to get through it, and, but you could do it if you, if you did everything just right and that type of thing. And that's the kind of teaching that people were teaching about the eye of the needle. And you know what that is? That's heresy. Because that is not what this is talking about. That is talking about a literal needle. That is not talking about some situation in the gate of a city somewhere. That is talking about a, a literal needle. And I was going to bring one tonight, Sister Carnan, but I forgot. But you can see the impossibility of that. Look at somebody and say, there's no way. Come on, look at somebody else and say, there is no way. Now let's get the context. Exegesis, I think, is what the word is, is how you drive um, truth out of the context of the message. Well, we can do that right here. Jesus is emphasizing the fact that you and I had better get the priority or the value of the kingdom of God right in our minds. And so this is what he's trying to say. And so, in my opinion, God has put a system like that in the true apostolic church. Tithes and offerings. That's what he's done. You know, people who struggle with their tithes, and I hope I don't offend anybody here tonight, but if I do, forgive me. But if you struggle with your tithes and offerings, you really, it's not a money issue. That's not what it is. It's a trust issue. And the reason I can say that is because I had the same problem when I first started doing it. And that's what we have to overcome. We either trust God or we don't. And so God puts something in our lives on a regular basis so that we can maintain that point of view. And that's why he puts tithes and offerings into our lives. 
It's so that you and I will get to a place where we will not trust in the riches. We will trust in the one who can give us the riches. Can you say amen? Now, I don't know about you folks, but that's pretty, that's pretty soft. They didn't teach it to me that soft. When we came into the church, it was either one way or the other. And I'm not saying that was right or wrong or whatever the case is, but I'm saying I have really dialed that one down. If you look at this scripture, and you should do this if you're struggling with this, by the way. You should read this in its entirety, the 10th chapter of the book of Mark from verses 17 through 26. You should read Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 26. And then you should read Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 27. You should read those scriptures and let the Lord speak to you. Because God is like, he's like standing before the rich ruler right now. He didn't put him down. He didn't lamb blast him. The Bible says he loved him. And so because he loved that rich young ruler, he told him the truth. And this is what you can plan on God doing in your life for the rest of your life. He's not going to sit here and tell you something that isn't true. Come on, remember, we're trying to become more like Christ, aren't we? Well, in order to do that, God uses truth, he uses people, and he uses circumstances. And I'll guarantee there's probably one or two of you right now that are going through some pretty tough circumstances in your finances. And I'm not here to to make little of that or to make big of that. I'm just saying it's an opportunity. Come on, it's an opportunity to grow close to the Lord, to allow the kingdom values to become your value, and to begin to put to rest the curse, praise God, that the world has on it, and so that you and I can begin to trust the Lord in in everything that we do. Can you say amen? Come on, how many would like to live that way? Would you like to be be free from that type of a curse? I want you to stand right now, and we're going to pray. We're going to believe the Lord for, 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 for power right now to overcome those things. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up our hands and let's call upon the Lord right now. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus right now, Lord God, I know there are there's several here that are really struggling with this. And Lord, I'm not going to call them out. I'm not even going to eyeball them. But Lord, I know that you're dealing with them right now. I know that your word is saying something very special to them. That Lord God, that you could, you could help them. And Lord, I'm just praying that they'll receive with meekness this engrafted word that's able to save their soul. I pray that right now, Lord God, that you will put that in their life in the name of Jesus. Jesus, because Lord God, you're not willing that any should perish, but that all would come back to repentance. Lord God, that's really what you want to do for us. And I understand that this subject is a very delicate subject, but Lord God, you dealt with it by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. You mentioned it in scripture three times so that we would know this in Jesus' name. Lord, touch every person here tonight, Lord God. I would pray that they, if they do get offended, that they'll get over it quickly and they'll allow the Lord to heal their life in Jesus name and God I give you the glory and the praise come on can we lift up the Lord right now come on even force yourself to praise him oh hallelujah 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 praise God these are things that Jesus taught to us so that we would become more interested in others than we are ourselves Now, the Bible says in verse 26, I'm still in Mark 10, it says that they were astonished. I'm talking about the disciples. 
And I can't help but tell you there's times I've come upon Scripture where I've gone, whoa, whoa. Now, God, you know that if I preach that this coming Sunday morning, oh, I've I've made some pretty strong cases to the Lord, but he's never relented to me at one time. He said, you tell him, you tell him. And so I find myself in verse 26 on a regular basis. And then they're saying, because we're only thinking through man's understanding here, well, then, God, who's going to be saved? I mean, my goodness, if we've got to raise the bar that high, I mean, who is going to ha- who's going to do this? And, of course, Jesus has a way of, 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 of concluding the thought with something powerful. Look at verse number 27. Put that up on the screen, Sister Carnahan. And Jesus, looking upon them, said, With men it is impossible, but with God. It says, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. You see, what he's saying there is if we can learn to trust in the Lord, there's not one thing that can't become possible for us in life. The other side of that is, is if we don't trust in the Lord, folks, it's never going to happen. But that's not what God has intended, praise God. He has intended for us to be saved. Can you say amen? He's got intended for us to live free. He's got intended for us to consider others and to bring the kingdom values to us, praise God, first, and then we can present them to other people, and I believe that they're going to see the love of God from us in Jesus' name. The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost. And so I believe the anointing of the Holy Ghost can come into your life and into my life, and he can help us not only to be overcomers, but he can help us to deliver the message that God has for us in Jesus' name. Why don't you lay your hands on somebody right here tonight, and let's pray one more time. Can we do that? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation, that hath appeared unto all men that it teaches us to live soberly and godly and righteously in this present world. And that, Lord God, we can anticipate your second coming. And so I pray that right now, Lord God, that your grace will be abundantly poured out upon every person in this room. And Lord God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the power of God that is presented to us each and every day. Lord God, I pray that you will touch folks, and my prayer is is that we will never, ever be the same again. That, Lord God, because of what we've heard here tonight, we're going to make some eternal changes. And, Lord God, those eternal changes are going to help us to be saved and to remain saved. And, Lord God, as always, I give you the praise and I give you the glory in Jesus' name. Can we just lift up the Lord one more time together?